Nicole Smith's breasts will be asked to host the Academy Awards. Only one will accept, leading to the feud of the century. team of Robert Shapiro and Johnny Cochran will lose decisively to Marsha Clark and Christopher Darden in WrestleMania 20. Salvation Podcast. I am your host. My name is Sal. On this episode of WrestleMania Salvation, we go back to the year that I graduated high school and the one time that the WWF decided to name WrestleMania after the year and not the actual number. For those keeping score at home, this is the 16th WrestleMania, although you'd never know it watching this pay-per-view, as they refuse to call it that even once. Now, in their defense, every single advertisement campaign in the country focused on the year 2000. Not just this year, but probably since around mid-98. Everything was this 2000, that 2000. There was movies like the Blues Brothers 2000, Dracula 2000. Uh, Not to mention, where the hell do you think 2K Sports got their name from? Yeah, that's right, guys. But for the WWF, WrestleMania 2000 meant we were balls deep in the McMahon-Helmsley regime. And tonight, we go a long way in establishing the game as the be-all, end-all of this company for years to come. We'll get to that and much, much more. But first, let's go to the WrestleMania Rundown. The 16th WrestleMania was marked and named WrestleMania 2000 and took place on April 2nd, 2000 from the Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, California, the same place where WrestleMania 12 was held. The attendance for this event is listed at 19,776, and the tagline given to this event was a McMahon in every corner. This was due to the fact that each member of the McMahon family, Vince, Linda, Shane, and Stephanie, all supported a different participant in the Fatal 4-Way match for the WWF Championship. We begin with no hype video whatsoever, and instead we get a shot of the outside of the arena with JR's voice welcoming us to WrestleMania. We then go inside the arena for the singing of our national anthem, this year making her WrestleMania debut. Ladies and gentlemen, the talented and wonderful Lillian Garcia. Lillian would, of course, go on to perform the anthem a few hundred times for the company in later years, but, like they say, you always remember your first. We then go to the much-anticipated opening video package, highlighting all the amazing WrestleMania moments leading up to tonight's show. Minus any highlights of Bret Hart. Huh. Petty. Fireworks explode throughout the Arrowhead Pond as we hear the commentary team of Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. The Fink then introduces us to Ice-T? Match number one, D'Lo Brown and the Godfather, accompanied by Ice-T, versus Bull Buchanan and the Big Boss Man. Ice-T wraps down the aisle as Godfather and D'Lo come out in even more pimp gear than Godfather's used to. Uh, A group of hoes accompany them. And I wrote that correctly, by the way. It really feels like Godfather and his crew are accompanying Ice-T and not the other way around. Also, Ice-T's rap is really, really annoying and really redundant. Pimp or die, baby. Pimpin' ain't pimpin' ain't easy, man. Pimpin' ain't pimpin' ain't easy, man. Pippin' ain't, pippin' ain't easy, man. Grab your bitches! 
easy, man. Pippin' ain't, pippin' ain't easy, man. Just one time in Billy my life, Pippen just for one night. On. I wanna be the pippin godfather. Pippin' ain't, pippin' ain't easy, man. At one point, Ice-T yells out, Grab your bitches! And we get our first instance of things you can't say on WWF television today. And I have a feeling that won't be the last time tonight. Then a couple guys make their way to the ring in riot gear, so that must mean... No? But but Black Riot Squad vests. Who else could it be? Okay, I'm being told it's the big boss man and his protege, Bull Buchanan. And then we get reminded that boss man is very, very, very old as JR goes on about his many, many, many WrestleMania matches going back to 1989. We know that here at the WrestleMania Salvation Podcast because we covered Boss Man's first matches in the 80s. Uh, For the record, he's in much better shape now, but he's still old. Now, during this match, Bobby Cannon actually shows a lot of athleticism and power. I mean, he had all the physical tools. Just unfortunately, the personality of a great. But eh, what can you do? Bossman and Bull get a bunch of heat on D'Lo until D'Lo hits Bull with a hurricanrana off the top rope, which allows him to make the tag to the Godfather. Godfather cleans house, but then immediately tags D'Lo right back in. Uh, D'Lo goes for a frog splash. D'Lo gets pushed off the turnbuckle, but lands on his feet only to get sidewalk slammed by the Bossman. And then hit by a huge top rope leg drop from Bull for the pinfall. Your winners, Bull Buchanan and the Boss Man? Eh. Of course Ice-T would accompany down losers to the ring. I mean, why else did you bring him in? We then go backstage where a very young Stephanie McMahon is sitting on a couch with her husband, Triple H. Both are coddling their title belts, as Stephanie is the WWF Women's Champion, and Triple H is, of course, the WWF Champion. Just think, their relationship started out as a storyline. And the storyline started out with Triple H kidnapping an unconscious Stephanie McMahon and forcing her to marry him. Boy, if that ain't romance... Steph and Triple H admire their big gold belts and put themselves over for putting on a huge event. Something I think they do a lot of over the next 15 years. We cut back to the announce booth where JR and King comment on how relaxed the game and his wife are and speculate as to why. Lawler says Triple H always has a plan. And Jim Ross calls him Cerebral. We then go to an earlier today video of the referees explaining the rules of the Hardcore Championship Battle Royal match to the competitors involved in the match. The camera pans out to show all 13 competitors, and we get our first WrestleMania look at Taz. One of the worst kept secrets in the world is that I'm a big fan of Taz. I've enjoyed his entire career, from his early ECW days, all the way to his syndicated sports talk radio show he does daily on Sirius. Now, Taz recently, in this timeline, debuted in WWF at the Royal Rumble, where he defeated the previously undefeated Kurt Angle in Madison Square Garden. Despite the impressive debut, Taz has been relegated to a multi-person fuckfest for the hardcore title at this year's WrestleMania, which is fucking bullshit, but not surprising considering Vince's long history of misusing top talent from other companies. Enough of that for now, as I attempt the very difficult task of explaining these convoluted rules for the Hardcore Battle Royal. Even though it's a Battle Royal, no one is actually eliminated. There's a 15-minute time limit, and there's no DQ. The title changes hands after a pinfall submission, 
and pinfalls or, or submissions can occur anywhere in the arena. Once the 15 minutes is up, the person who scored the last pinfall is the new hardcore champion. But all the times that there's pinfalls in between, they're also counted as hardcore championship reigns. So basically, it's a no DQ, false count anywhere, championship scramble with 13 people. Good lord. Match number two, the aforementioned hardcore title battle royal. Taz comes out first to a huge pop and even gets some cool pyro, which I forgot about. Then comes out the near 500-pound Mabel. Well, sorry, uh, Viscera. Then the Mean Street Posse, then Hardcore Holly, then Kayentai, who at this point is Takamichinoku and Funaki. Uh, the Headbangers, complete with a set of bras and fake boobs, I shit you not. The Acolytes, who also get a huge pop, and are not yet the APA, they're just the Acolytes. And finally, the champion, Crash Holly. Crash slides into the ring and immediately gets attacked by Taz. Everyone starts brawling, and everyone other than Taz and Crash spill to the outside. Taz nails Crash with a capture suplex and pins him to become the new champ. It took him 24 fucking seconds. However, Taz's title reign doesn't last. For some stupid fucking reason, he goes outside and picks a fight with Viscera. That's not a good idea. Viscera squashes him with a version of the World's Strongest Slam and becomes the new hardcore champion. Jesus, Taz. What was that, 15 seconds? 30. Apparently it was 30. Now, this is kind of interesting, because how the hell are you going to get a pinfall in the next 13 minutes on 6'6", 500-pound viscera? Well, everyone starts using all types of weapons, including baking sheets, tennis rackets, where's Jim Cornette, trash cans, kendo sticks, and some of the guys are busted wide open. Like, Crash is busted open, but there's... Gallons of blood pouring out of Pete Gass's face. So, somebody cut too deep. There are also shopping carts, window fans, and bicycle parts? Jesus, what'd they rob a Home Depot? Uh, the Acolytes eventually double-team Big Viss, and Bradshaw gets him down with a flying shoulder block, and then three guys pile on top of Isra, and they get the three counts. Wait, so if all three guys piled on top of Viscera, which one's the champ? Well, apparently it's Funaki, who was at the bottom of the pile. Uh, Funaki then does the smart thing. He fucking runs. And I mean, he guns it down the aisle into the pack. Rodney and Joey Abs catch up with them and throw him into a steel guardrail in the back. Rodney then nutshots Joey Abs and takes the pin on Funaki for himself. Rodney, the new hardcore champion, turns around and gets clotheslined to hell by Joey Abs. Abs then hits him with a gut wrench suplex to become the new champ. And immediately after that, the headbangers attack him, and Thrasher becomes the champ. I feel like you could play this match on fast forward with the Benny Hill song in the background, and it'll work perfectly. Thrasher tries to run. Uh, but gets a shot from everyone with a weapon on his way back to the ring, including a fire extinguisher by Gas, who pins him in the aisle way. Oh, by the way, and I think I mentioned this before, Gas is bleeding worse than Axel Rotten in a Taipei deathmatch. For those that get it, get it. Taz, being used to all that blood coming from ECW, grabs a handful of Pete Gass's bloody hair and drags him to the ringside to throw him face-first into the ring post. He delivers another Tazplex to the concrete floor, and then Taz gets the pin to become the two-time in this match hardcore champion. And of course, he is immediately attacked by Hardcore Holly. Taz fights him off, but then both Holly cousins get in the ring and start stomping on Taz. 
Hardcore takes a chunk of wood and nails Taz in the head and goes for the cover, as does Crash. We get the classic spot of Hardcore and Crash then starting to fight because they each wanted the pinfall. This turns into basically a triple threat because everybody else is outside and only the Holly Cousins and Taz are in the ring. There's less than a minute left in the 15-minute time limit. Uh, And Crash nails Taz with a baking pan and gets the pinfall. Now, Crash has to hold on for 30 seconds. But before he can turn around, Taz locks Crash in the Taz mission. And he drags Crash down to the center of the ring. Will Crash tap? Well... Hardcore Holly runs into the ring and smashes a fucking glass candy jar over Taz and Crash's head. It kind of looks like he hit them both. Hardcore covers Crash for the pinfall and the win? Uh, However, somebody forgot to tell Tim White that this was the finish because he doesn't actually hit the mat for the three count. He kind of stops. He does the cardinal sin of stopping after two and kind of pausing. And then he kind of falls with his arm as the time limit goes out. Uh, So, uh, you know, Fink announces Hardcore Holly as the new champ, because that's the way it was supposed to go. Uh, Crash runs away with the title, so maybe this is the way it was supposed to go, but it made Tim White look like a fucking idiot. Uh, Eventually, Jim Ross says that they've been informed that Hardcore Holly is the new champ, but it is fucking weird how we got here. Also, JR got kind of upset when he realized that Hardcore used his candy jar. But in any event. Our next match, match number three, T&A, and no, I don't mean the aforementioned wrestling company. Testin Albert. Versus the team of Al Snow and Steve Blackman. Affectionately known as Head Cheese. Ugh. Here we go. Test and Albert as a team were formidable enough. I mean, you know, you got two really big guys ready to kick some ass. But the money in this team was their manager. Or her, their ring valet, as it were. You might know her. Her name was Trish Stratus. This is her WrestleMania debut, but not as an in-ring competitor. Now, tonight, Trish will have the role of eye candy, but better that role than whatever Steve Blackman gets saddled with, to be honest with you. Somebody in creative decided to give Steve Blackman a comedic personality, or at least try to, and he now wears a cheese on his head like they do at Packers games over in Wisconsin. Shout out to Troy over in Cheeseland. But to make things worse, Al Snow is talking to someone in a bathroom stall and tells him to be quiet because he's going to be part of the greatest entrance in wrestling history. Who is Al talking to? Al is talking to, and this is the year 2000, by the way, before this terminology became a thing. Al is talking to Chester McCheeserton. He's a little person of Latin descent, as far as I can tell, who is dressed in a cheese costume. Fuck my life. For some reason, I forgot about the silliness, and I forgot that it happened at goddamn WrestleMania. (sighs) Now, to start the match... J.R. and Lala make so many innuendos involving Trish that J.R.'s headset stops working and King is forced to do play-by-play by himself for a few minutes, which, as you can imagine, is fucking awful. Even after J.R. gets his headset fixed, the crowd is not into this match. And so much for the let's go head cheese chant as only a couple of people get behind that. This match honestly should have been on Sunday Night Heat. But according to Cage Side, there were no dark matches at this show. So, this was your popcorn break, I guess? 
to make things worse, Chester is apparently a molester, and he tries to squeeze Trisha's ass, but then he scurries away every time she is about to catch him. Al Snow hits an ICI moonsault to Albert on the outside, and the crowd finally reacts to something. He then nails Tess with a leg drop from the top rope, while Blackman has him in a backbreaker position, but only gets a near fall. Tess and Albert eventually get the win after Tess nails Blackman with a top rope elbow for the win. Your winner's TNA. I'm kind of glad this match is over. After the match, Al Snow apologizes to Blackman and admits that Chester was a bad idea. He then brings Chester into the ring and says, Time to cut the cheese! And then he punches Chester in the face with the microphone. That doesn't seem very nice. Blackman then bicycle kicks him in the face, and they give him the leg drop finisher. Still, not much of a reaction. All that cheese for nothing. We then go backstage where Mae Young is talking with a naked cat. And when I say naked cat, I don't mean Ernest the Cat Miller is wandering around backstage with his dong out. I'm talking about Stacy Cotter, known as the cat. Now, in this segment, she is for real naked. But they do the Austin Powers gag by strategically placing objects in the way of her goodies. <laughs> now, the dialogue between her and May, though, well... Let's just say you can never air this in today's WWE. Yeah? This is kind of cute. This yeah. one's a pussycat on this oh, t-shirt. Yeah. I love that. I love it. To the little fuzzy cute. thing down yeah. there. Yeah, but... Make the show! Make the show! Else for WrestleMania. Mate, I am so thirsty. Do you have any water down there? Oh, sure. How about this? These two are just perfect. What the... For you. Back to the ring, and we see the tag team titles hanging high above. This, my friends, is the reason most people turned in tonight. Match number four, we have a triangle ladder match for the WWF Tag Team Championships. The Hardy Boys versus the Dudley Boys versus Edge and Christian. Now, this is not to be confused with a TLC match. That would not happen until SummerSlam of 2000. But this is the match that really set the world on fire and was the premise for all those TLC matches that these guys had. A few months before the Dud at, at, at the Royal Rumble, the Dudleys and the Hardys actually had a tables match. So we're in a logical step here. We had a we had a regular tag match between two teams in a tables match at the Garden at the Royal Rumble. Now we're at a triangle ladder match at WrestleMania, and that's how we get to the TLC match at SummerSlam. I love it, personally. Now, at this point in the year 2000, the Hardy Boys established themselves as a daredevil tag team. And the talented Edge and Christian throughout the end of 99 have established themselves as a very formidable opponent. But then you throw in the ultra-violent Dudley boys, fresh from their run at the top in ECW, and you have what I believe to be a perfect storm. The Dudleys, however have a backstage segment before this match with Michael Cole. Can the Dudleys prevail in the first ever triangle ladder match? We'll find out their answer with Michael Cole. Steve on Bubba Ray tonight. You put the tag titles on. Yeah, you're right, Michael. Tonight is the night. But you know something? It seems like the WWF is always trying to put the Dudley boys down. Putting us in a ladder match? <laughs> yeah, I don't like ladders, and I'm a little afraid of heights. But I'm going to forget all about that. Because tonight at WrestleMania, <laughs> the Dudley boys will still remain the WWF Tag Team Champions. Testify, Bubba. Tonight, the Dudley boys take WrestleMania to a whole new level. 
to a whole new level of violence when the dust settles and when the Dudley boys are heading out with those tag straps around their waist it'll be then that the Hardys and Edged Christian realize that thou shalt not with the Dudleys my brother testify so fucking classic if you've never heard Bubba Ray Dudley cut a promo in the old ECW, I suggest going to listen to it. Uh, find it on YouTube, though. Do not find it on the network, because Bubba Ray Dudley, at that point, probably 98, said some of the most vile shit I've ever seen, heard a human being say at a wrestling show. And he used to say it to the fans. And practically incite riots. Go look up Dayton, Ohio. ECW. Bubba Ray Dudley promo. And thank me later. Edge and Christian enter. Minus any hokey vampire costumes. That they were wearing last year. And next. Is the young and upcoming. Hardy Boys. Jeff spits in the face of good luck, or bad luck, as he hilariously walks underneath several ladders on his way to the ring. And then out come the Dudley boys, who actually climb a ladder in the alleyway to pose, allowing Edge and Christian to attack the Hardys from behind. And here we go. We start off fast. Like, really fast. Fast as people are fighting in the ring, out, outside the ring, in the aisle. Everybody's just fighting. Jeff hits a whisper in the wind on Bubba, who then hits a Bubba bomb on Jeff. This is all within the first minute. Matt tosses a ladder into Bubba's face, and then Jeff hits poetry in motion onto Bubba in the corner. And then, turns around and hits Christian with poetry in motion. The Hardys continue using the ladder as a weapon, and Jeff lays Bubba on the ladder, and goes to the top rope and attempts a 450 splash, but Bubba moves, and Jeff eats it hard on the ladder. Spoiler alert! Won't be the first time Jeff gets fucked up tonight. Bubba then lays Jeff on the ladder and hits a back senton onto Jeff from the second rope. Edge brings another ladder into the ring and climbs to the top rope and rides that ladder down onto Matt, who is already positioned under a ladder. It has the exact car crash impact you'd think it would have, and we are only three minutes into this match. Bubba puts the ladder on his head to go for the old Terry Funk airplane ladder spin spot. But he gets double drop kicked by Edge and Christian. Christian then sets up a ladder near the ropes, climbs it, and drives. I'm sorry, and dives from the ladder to the outside with a flying crossbody onto Bubba and Matt. Jeff then becomes the first person to actually attempt to get the titles, but he is speared by Edge coming off the top rope in what obviously was the inspiration for a more famous Edge to Jeff Hardy spear. This one, however, does allow Edge to set up the ladder and go for the belts. Unfortunately, Matt grabs Edge in a razor's edge position and then squashes him with a sit-down powerbomb. Bubba hits Christian with basically a diamond cutter from the top of the ladder down to the canvas. Christian rolls out of the ring, but both Bubba hurt himself as much as he did Christian. Now, that's really, really bad news for Bubba Ray Dudley. So the Hardys climb ladders in opposite corners and nail Bubba simultaneously with a leg drop and a splash from about 15 feet in the air from opposite directions. Holy ouch as fuck. Edge and Christian then decide they want to play a game of can you top this? And they hit Devon with a double suplex off the ladder down to the canvas. We get another holy shit chant, which has got to be like the seventh one of this match. Edge and Christian set up two ladders side by side and try to climb up to get the titles, but the Hardys go up the other side and meet them at the top. Neither team gets the advantage. Jeff hits Christian with a face buster off the top of the ladder, and Edge hits Matt with a side effect from the other side. No. I'm sorry, Edge hits Matt with a neckbreaker. If Edge did the side effect, that would be weird. 
The Dudley seized control as the crowd starts chanting for tables. However, tables might have to wait as Jeff and Christian get tossed from the top of the ladder to the outside and land on the concrete with a sickening thud. They literally, like, bounced off the arena floor. It was pretty nasty. Christian tries to climb back in the ring, but he gets sandwiched by two ladders from the Dudleys. Then, to make things even worse, they catch Edge coming in on the other side and lay him out with a thunderous 3D. Bubba does not tell Devon to get the tables, but instead they give each other a double high five, and they both leave through opposite sides of the ring, and they both get tables from under the ring. Things, however, get kind of strange as the Dudley set up a ladder in the ring, but position it on top of two tables? No, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. The Dudleys set up a table in the ring on top of two ladders under the belts. Now, whatever their plan was, um, before it can come to fruition, the Hardys drag them to the outside. Bubba takes Matt to the top of the Spanish announce table. And then, I shit you not, he power bombs Matt from the announce table through another table set up at ringside. Holy shit, Matt's dead. Uh, Jeff tries to jump Bubba by diving off the guardrail, but Bubba throws a ladder in Jeff's face. Bubba then drags Jeff down the entranceway and sets up another table. And right next to it, he sets up a 20-foot ladder. Oh, boy. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, Christian nails Bubba in the back of the head with the ring bell. This allows Jeff to throw Christian into the guardrail. And then Jeff climbs the 20-foot ladder. the sickest spot in Wrestlemania history to this point. And easily the most insane I had ever seen in this in the year 2000 in a ladder match. A swanton bomb off the very top of a 20-foot ladder through a table. As you can imagine, this effectively takes Jeff and Bubba out of the rest of the match. Back in the ring, Devon tries to climb, but gets hit with a twist of fate from Matt Hardy. Matt, Edge, and Christian then start fighting on top of the table that the Dudley set up on top of the two ladders. It doesn't last long, however, as Edge pushes Matt off through another table, ending Matt's night. So the only people that are left at this point is Edge and Christian, both standing on the table, and they each grab a belt. For the win. Your winners at WrestleMania. Edge and Christian. What a fucking insane match. They didn't just steal the show. They were literally the whole fucking show. Sorry Van Dam, but they were. As you can imagine, it's got to be hard as shit to follow that. Uh, but God damn it, they're going to try. So we go backstage to Kevin Kelly, who was with Linda and Mick Foley. Foley thanks Linda for his final chance to cement his legacy in the main event of WrestleMania. Mick Foley lost a Hell in a Cell match at the uh, No Way Out pay-per-view to Triple H, which cost him his career, but thanks to Linda, he's back for one more night. We go back to the announce booth, and they show us highlights of the ladder match. And then, Fink introduces us to our next com- competitors for match number five. 
the cat versus Terry Reynolds in a quote-unquote cat fight. The rules of this match is the first person to throw their opponent out of the ring to the floor will be the winner. Oh, boy. This is not women's wrestling. This is let's cheer for the nearly naked girls. That's that's all this is. This is also the only singles match on the card. So, uh, And then to add even more insult to viewers' intelligence, uh, Val Venus. Yay, Val Venus is introduced as the special guest referee. Which shows us, the viewers, that they had nothing for him tonight. Uh, Val cuts a typical Val promo. And then Terry comes out to the ring accompanied by the fabulous Moolah. While the cat is accompanied by Mae Young. The cat's ring attire is pretty much see-through. As Lawler goes batshit crazy over his future wife, current wife. Not sure if they were married yet at this point. Terry and the cat do the classic cat fight thing where they just roll around on the ground, pulling each other's hair. Uh, and then they get up and take turns kissing Val Venus. And then, to Val's disgust, Mae Young decides to get on in on it and shoves her tongue in Val's mouth for like 30 seconds. Whoa. During this time, Mula puts, puts out the cat. I'm sorry, she pulls out the cat. And Val sees her on the outside and calls for the bell. Your winner, Terry Reynolds. Well, I guess they wouldn't they weren't gonna be able to follow the triangle ladder match, so I guess they might as well just throw this out there now. After the match, May gets mad and shoves Moolah. And we have the long, long fifty year weighted feud culminating at WrestleMania of May Young versus the fabulous Moolah. Unfortunately for Moolah, she's going to end up on the bad end of this as she eats a Bronco Buster from the near 80-year-old Mae Young. Then, Mae and the cat rip off Terry's leg, rip off Terry's leggings to expose her ass to the delight of the crowd. This entire segment, from beginning to end, lasted about three minutes. And I have spent more time talking about it which I apologize for. We go on to match number six. This is an interesting match. This is the Radicals, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, and Perry Saturn versus Too Cool in China. Backstage, Eddie is talking about how hot China looks tonight and how she will feel his Latino heat. Saturn says something stupid, and then we cut to China in Too Cool's locker room. Which is weird because China is in the men's locker room. But whatever. She talks about how disgusted she is by Eddie. And we go to the ring. The Radicals come down to the ring. Uh, minus Chris Benoit. Who's busy getting ready for his match later on tonight. Dean Malenko walks down dragging the light heavyweight championship. Like it's an ugly backpack that he doesn't want to be seen with. China then walks out. Uh, shooting fireworks from a bazooka, and no, that's not a uh, it's not a metaphor for anything. She's literally has a bazooka that shoots fireworks. I will say this: crowd popped huge once China actually got into the match. And to her credit, she's probably in her prime as far as her in-ring skills in this match. Also, she plays off too cool nicely to get a nice reaction from the crowd. So she's she's doing very good things here uh, as far as entertaining the crowd. Uh, at one point, the Radicals gain control and do a good job of cutting off the ring. Grandmaster Sexy, uh, which, by the way, rest in peace, this episode is being recorded post-mortem, so sad to hear. Condolences to him and his family. Grandmaster Sexy gets the tag to Scotty Too Haughty. However, he's pretty ineffective. And then Jerry Lawler comes up with a candidate for line of the night. China, keep a close eye on Guerrero. I think, I, I, I think China's starting to feel the heat. She's starting to perspire and get moist. Subtle, Jerry. Subtle. Meanwhile, Guerrero blindsides China when she's not looking and throws her face first into the turnbuckle. 
which causes her to fall to the floor. Dick move, bro. Eddie kind of gets his, though, as two cool suplex him to the outside onto the floor. Scotty hits the worm on Saturn and Malingo, which gets a pretty good reaction, but doesn't go for the cover. Instead, gets beat up by Eddie. Saturn gets tagged in, goes for a top rope elbow. Beautiful form by Saturn, but unfortunately he misses Scotty completely and jumps over him. We get the classic line of, I don't think he got all of it. Really? Because he completely fucking missed him. Saturn tags in Eddie, and Eddie attempts to frog splash, but Scotty catches him with a superplex. This allows Scotty to make the tag to China, who comes in and cleans house. Uh, maybe she should have taken a slower pace, because it looks like China's ring pants are starting to rip on the side of her waist. She nails Saturn and Malinka with a double low blow, but Eddie nails her in the back of the head with a forearm from behind. Eddie then attempts to powerbomb China, but China lands on her feet and kicks him in the stomach and powerbombs him. She then sends Eddie into the rope and grabs him in the dreaded testicular claw. Which is kind of funny because the ref has no idea how, what to do and he just starts count, giving her like a five count. Uh, China's pants, by the way, completely ripped and she's struggling to hold them up uh, and continues to wrestle. So kudos to, her, kudos to her for not letting the wardrobe malfunction screw her spot up. She picks up Eddie, seemingly by his balls, and Gorilla press slams him down. She then picks him up again and nails him for a sleeper drop for the win. Your winners, China and Too Cool. Nice little fun match, and good on China for not letting her ripped pants fuck with the finish. Now, match number seven is an interesting format. We have a double championship match. This match is for the Intercontinental Championship, and this match is for the European Championship. Double champion Kurt Angle versus Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit. The best way to explain this is it's a two out of three falls triple threat match. The first fall is for Kurt's IC title, and the second fall is for Kurt's European title. Why would Kurt be forced to defend both belts at the same time? Well, apparently that's the match Bob Backlund got his client signed up for uh, because Backlund managed him for a brief period. Maybe for like six weeks. That's all right. Angle snaps and locks Backlund in the chicken wing for that bullshit, and that's why Bob Backlund's not here tonight. Jericho comes out to a pretty huge pop. This is the Mania debut for all three of these guys. Uh, so good on them to be in this spot on this card. And here's a taste of brilliance of a young Chris Jericho. Welcome to WrestleMania is Jericho! And Y2J has been waiting his whole life for this moment. And I know that all you Jericho-holics have been waiting your whole lives for this moment. And I can't guarantee you I'm gonna walk out of here with two championships. And I can't guarantee you I'm gonna walk out of this match with one championship. But I can guarantee you that I am gonna walk out of this match the true Ayatollah of rock and roller. Yeah. And I can guarantee that Kirk Angel and Mr. Roboto are going to walk out of this match with bumps and bruises and a t-shirt that reads, I visited Anaheim and all I got was this lousy t-shirt and a Y2J beating that I will never... Uh, Kirk Angel. Ugh, I love it. Love, love, love the late 90s, early 2000 Chris Jericho. Not that he's doing anything bad now, but I'm just saying, that was gold. By the way, it's weird watching a Benoit match again for the first time since, you know, 
the last time I did, uh, which may or may not have been a few years ago. It it might have been ten years ago. It's a little weird, but um, I'm gonna sit here and do my job as as a professional. And for those of you who don't like it, you can go start your own podcast. You can call it What's WrestleMania, and get no listeners for that one too. Speaking of Benoit, he attacks Kurt before the bell, and we are off to the races. These guys start hammering the crap out of each other, and I gotta say, I like the pace this match starts with. Jericho, ever the performer, knocks both Angle and Benoit to the outside with a springboard dropkick. He, however, gets taken out himself with a flapjack onto the stairs. Oh. Benoit and Angle go move for move, and Jericho tries to climb to the top but it's cut off by Benoit, who launches him to the side of the announce table. Jericho's taking a lot of heavy bumps here. Jericho recovers quickly, though. He goes back on the offensive, hitting Angle with a bulldog, and then locking Benoit in a camel clutch. Angle goes to break it up, and the fighting continues. Angle locks Jericho in a crossface, but Benoit breaks it up. Benoit tosses Angle outside the ring, and then hits Jericho with a diving headbutt from the top rope for the win. Your winner of the IC title is Chris Benoit. So Angle loses his first title without even being pinned, but we immediately go into the start of the second fall for the European Championship. Benoit wisely pins Jericho again, but Angle breaks it up this time. Angle goes for a huge top rope moonsault, but misses. Which, by the way, good on Kurt Angle, this young in his career, going for that move. Definitely not an easy move to pull off. Jericho locks Angle in the walls, but Benoit violently breaks it up. What? It was. It was violent. Jericho nails Angle with a double powerbomb, but can't go for the pin because he gets snatched up by, by Benoit, who hits him with three straight German suplexes. However, Jericho manages to kick out. Jericho attempts a flying forearm, but Benoit ducks, and Jericho nails referee Tim White in the face. Good. He deserves it. This allows Benoit to lock him in the crossface, and Jericho taps almost immediately. So, Benoit, double champion, right? No, because Tim Wright is dead. So, uh, nobody is there to see Jericho tap. Benoit tries to revive the ref hilariously by yelling, Hey, ref! Ref! Hey, ref! And Jericho locks him in the walls of Jericho. Angle grabs one of the belts and nails Jericho across the face with it. He covers Jericho, but Benoit breaks it up. Benoit goes for another diving headbutt, but Angle rolls out of the way. This allows Jericho to hit the line salt on Benoit for the three count. Your winner of the European Championship, Chris Jericho. So Benoit pinned Jericho to win the IC title, and then Jericho pinned Benoit to win the European title. Tough day at the office for Kurt Angle. <laughs> Not too many people can say they lost two different titles in the same night. We go backstage to Michael Cole, who is with the chairman. Vince promises to make things right tonight. We then cut to Triple H, and shocker, he disagrees with Vince. I have a feeling that that's going to be happening a lot over the next 18 years. Triple H complains to Stephanie that he is the best, he's the game, he's that damn good. Insert your local Triple H catchphrase here. Match number eight, for some god-awful reason, Kane and Rikishi with Paul Bear versus the Road Dog and X-Pac with Tori. No, not Tori Wilson, the other Tori. So Tori, who was last year's stalker of Sable, finds herself as X-Pac's new valet. I think there was some weird love tri- triangle with her and Kane but uh, in X-Pac, but I'm too lazy to look it up. Also, I don't care. The commentators bring up Pete Rose like 55 times during Kane's entrance, so I guess that means Pete Rose is going to try to jump Kane again. Paul Bear tells Tori to go to hell, and she slaps him across the face, but he no-sells it. Kane goes outside the ring and grabs Tori's hand, but X-Pac tries to attack Kane from behind. Kane comically tosses him into the stairs like a friggin' ragdoll. And before we are even 30 seconds in... Uh, Road Dog is shown getting a stink face in the ring by Rikishi. DX tries to leave, 
but Kane and Rikishi follow them down the entranceway and fight them back to the ring. Lala calls Kane a big red retard, and he does it so casually, I actually think that's his nickname at this point. A loud X-Pac sucks chant breaks out, which I guess is uh, is what they call X-Pac heat. Is that what that is? He hits a Bronco Buster on Rikishi, which, when you think about the physics of that, that's so fucking stupid. Uh, Rikishi tags in Kane, who then beats up Road Dog and X-Pac with ease. Paul Bear grabs Tori and throws her into the ring, where Kane shoves her down to the corner, and much the crowd's delight, she gets a stink face by Rikishi. And what a hell of a stink face it was. Tori's entire face is engulfed in Rikishi's ass crack. To add injury to insult, Kane then nails X-Pac with a tombstone for the win. Your winners, Kane and Rikishi. After the match, two cool run down, and they want to dance with Rikishi. And I get super worried that they're going to get Kane to dance, and I'm praying that he doesn't dance. But luckily, the San Diego chicken shows up. Uh, we all assume, based on what happened last year, that it's Pete Rose. That is until the chicken starts dancing with Too Cool, because right there and then I knew that the chicken wasn't Pete Rose. There's no way Pete Rose could ever dance like that. After the dance, Kane backs the chicken into the corner, which allows the real Pete Rose to sneak into the ring with a fucking baseball bat, and he attempts to get finally get his long-awaited revenge on Kane. But alas, it is not to be, as Rikishi pulls the bat away from Pete, and Kane chokeslams Pete Rose with ease. Paul Bear then hilariously crotch chops over Pete Rose's prone body before Too Cool drag him to the corner. And that's right, folks. Pete Rose gets a stink face as well. Kane then makes the firefly out of the turnbuckles to end the segment. Wow. So really, a match full of comedy, but how far is DX falling at this point? As far as Road Dog and X-Pac. It's just, I know that they were part of the McMahon-Helmsley regime, but the man, they just look like Jabba's tonight. Like, really bad. Uh, backstage, the great one is with Kevin Kelly. Now, this is WrestleMania 2000. Rock is still a very young man in this business. Let's see how he's doing with his promos at this point. Time has drawn near. We're literally at ground zero, Rock. It's time. Twelve months ago, after every interview, after every run-in, after every backstabbing, after every win, after every loss, after everything they thrown at The Rock, and after everything The Rock has thrown back, after every chokeslam, after every mandible claw, after every pedigree, The Rock says this. As if he could do it all over again, he will say, finally, The Rock has come back to It's not about the lights. It's not about the cameras, the glitz, the glamour. It's not about Stephanie's marriage to Triple H. It's not about the McMahon family saga. It's not about Mick Foley's final match. It sure as hell ain't about the big show. The Rock says it's about the WWF championship. says if he has an ounce of sweat to spill if the rock has an ounce of sweat of blood to drop then the rock says tonight he's gonna do exactly what he does best and that is go out there and lay him to smack it down on their candy asses the rock says he will do it for the millions of Rock's fans do whatever it takes because The Rock, the people's champ, says tonight is the night. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. I'd say he's doing all right, which brings us to our main event for the evening, a fatal four-way elimination match for the WWF Championship, The Big Show versus Mick Foley versus The Rock versus Triple H. 
we see Hollywood star Michael Clark Duncan sitting in the front row, and he's screaming into the camera. He seems pretty upset, but I don't think he should be. I mean, after all... Dude, you're sitting next to the ring. We are also shown Dustin Diamond, Martin Short, and Tory Holt from the uh, St. Louis Rams in an NXT TakeOver style, uh, minus the nameplates. Foley comes out first as Mick Foley, which has to be a first in his career. Then the pyro goes off as Fink introduces us to the big show. The pyro pales in comparison to the explosion we get from the crowd when The Rock is announced, though. Talk about over. In fact, with Austin out, I think because of neck surgery at this point, Rock is easily the most over baby face in the company. And that includes the sentimental favorite, Mick Foley. And speaking of sentimental favorite, Triple H comes out to his first theme as WWF champion, one of my all-time favorites in wrestling history. One cell, is this on? Such a badass song. Such a badass song. The bell rings and we start off with Foley fighting Triple H and Big Show fighting Rock. Big Show decides to assert his dominance and starts beating up all three of them. Despite the Big Show showing off his power in the first few minutes, uh, he eventually gets triple teamed. Foley and Triple H spill to the outside. And Mick cracks Triple H in the ribcage with a steel chair. He then reaches up and cracks Big Show in the spine with the chair. Which sends Big Show directly into the rock. Who nails him with a rock bottom. For the one, the two, and the three. Eliminated. Within the first couple minutes of this match. The Big Show. Thanks for coming you overgrown Backstreet Boy. Take your big ass to the back and let the real man fight for the title. And you know that's exactly what Vince was thinking. So, we continue with a triple threat at this point. Triple H tries to convince Foley to team up with him to eliminate The Rock. But Foley says no. Not gonna happen, bro. Triple H then tries the same ploy with The Rock. Rock seemingly agrees... But pops Triple H in the mouth, and him and Foley then start kicking the shit out of Triple H. Much to the crowd's delight. The partnership is short-lived, however, as Rock nails Foley with the ring bell, accidentally. Like, he has Foley hold Triple H, and then Triple H ducks. Triple H then nails Rock with a clothesline on the floor. Triple H starts working over Rock, but then Foley pulls out a 2x4 wrapped in barbed wire. Triple H avoids disaster, however, by hitting Foley with a low blow. At one point, Triple H gets the mandible claw and a shot to the skull from the world title belt. Rock goes for the people's elbow, but then Foley turns on Rock and gives him the mandible claw, obvious payback from that ring bell shot. They continue to exchange hard shots both inside and outside the ring. 
A double-arm DDT gets McFoley a near fall, but Rock kicks out. Rock grabs a chair and charges at Rock. I'm sorry. Foley grabs a chair and charges at Rock, but Rock kicks it into Foley's face. Triple H then attacks Rock, and then surprisingly, Rock, Triple H, and Foley start double-teaming Rock. They beat the crap out of the Rock for a good five minutes before Foley jumps from the top rope with an elbow to the Rock, who is laying on the announce table. Here's the problem. In what I can only describe as horrible timing, Foley doesn't get enough height, and he falls just short of hitting the Rock, and instead kind of cracks his own ribs on the side of the table. Uh, obviously the table was supposed to break because Triple H then hilariously jumps on Rock from the barricade about two or three more times until the table finally collapses. Triple H then grabs Foley, tosses him in the ring, and hits the pedigree. And for the first time, and probably one of the only times in Triple H's career, Foley kicks out. Hey, it's WrestleMania, man. However, Triple H cracks him in the head with a chair and then hits him with a pedigree onto said chair for the three count. Eliminated Mick Foley. The sentimental favorite is eliminated and his career is officially over. And I'm sure he means that too. I'm sure we'll never, ever see Mick Foley in the ring again. Well, first of all, that lasts about 30 seconds until Foley runs back to the ring and nails Triple H with the 2x4 wrapped in barbed wire. Rock attempts the cover, but Triple H barely, and I mean barely, at the very last second kicks out. Rock and Triple H then fight all over the ring area, up the entranceway, then back to the ring area. Uh, Triple H delivers a pile driver to Rock onto the steel steps, which looks absolutely fucking vicious. Uh, Rock somehow kicks out of that. Then they fight in the crowd, and they continue this for the next few minutes. When they get back to the ring, Rock suplexes Triple H through the announce table. And then Vince, who can't stand his daughter's new husband, just starts beating the crap out of Triple H and throws him into the ring post. Out of nowhere, Shane appears and nails his father with a TV monitor. What the fuck is going on here? I thought Shane was gone a long time ago. Steph looks on in shock. But Vince gets up. Vince then starts beating on Shane because, you know, father-son violence. But Shane counters with a low blow right in the grapefruits. Shane then grabs a chair and hits Vince unprotected in the fucking skull. The Stooges come down to help Vince up, but he is busted open. The Stooges then help Vince to the back, but Shane remains ringside with that chair. Shane attempts to hit someone with the chair, but Triple H gets catapulted into Shane. This allows Rock to hit the rock bottom, but he's too dead, or dead tired, to make the pinfall. Vince then returns from the back and slaps Shane around before picking up the chair himself. Vince fakes hitting Triple H, but turns and hits the rock in the skull with the chair. Triple H covers the rock, but Rock kicks out. Not to be outdone, Vince hits him in the skull again with the chair, and this time, Triple H pins him for the win. Your winner, and still WWF champion, Triple H. Vince, Triple H, and Stephanie celebrate as this marks the first time in WrestleMania history that a heel has won to end the night. People are pissed, by the way. People are, like, legit throwing trash in the ring. I think everybody thought this was going to be the Rock's time. Uh, Shane gets back in the ring. Shane apologizes to his father. And all three of them hug. Uh, but as Rock sees this, as he's being helped to the back, uh, Rock snaps, runs down to the ring, and Rock bottoms Shane. Then he Rock bottoms Vince. And then Rock stares at Stephanie. And Stephanie gets in his face. In a prelude to what would happen at WrestleMania 31 11 years later, Stephanie slaps Rock. But since there's no Ronda Rousey, or at least she's not at this event and she's probably just some punk teenager at this point, Rock has no choice but to take matters into his own hands and Rock bottoms Stephanie 
much to the crowd's enjoyment. Rock puts the cherry on the sundae and drops the people's elbow on Stephanie's recently enhanced chest. The Rock's music plays and we go off the air. I thought that was a very interesting choice to have the heel win, but obviously Rock still got to shine at the end of the night. Overall, the pay-per-view was okay. Uh, I loved the triangle ladder match. Uh, but And I also thought the main event was good, minus the finish. I mean, I guess it was a good swerve. I think it would have been better if Rock won, but other than that, all the other matches, I mean, literally, you could pick out any of the other matches. Other than, I, I will say Benoit Angle and Jericho was good. But the majority of the matches would, could have been on heat. And you would never would have known the difference. Shockingly, match of the night for me is the Triangle Ladder match. Dudley's versus Edge and Christian versus Hardy's. Those three teams would go on to have a few more matches that would be just legendary in this business. Uh, worst match of the night for me, and this might surprise some people, maybe, maybe not, was uh, Testin Albert versus Head Cheese. What a fucking stupid goddamn... Ugh, I understand it's a comedy spot, but it's Wrestle-fucking-mania. I need a guy, I need a little person dressed in a cheese costume at Wrestlemania. Like I need a fucking brain tumor. Join us next time! where myself and a special guest host travel to Houston, Texas for WrestleMania X7. I mean, we don't literally travel there, but we virtually do, I guess. This should be interesting because WrestleMania X7 returns to a dome for the first time since 1992. It should be a classic. And follow us on Twitter. At WrestleMania Sal. Follow the Rundown at Rundown Podcast. If you're a fan of horror, check out the Slasher Sanitarium and give them a follow at Slasher Podcast. Check out all of our shows on the Rundown feed, including Nitromania, NXT Revisited, Glow Stick, and soon to return, The Rundown Sit Down. And make sure to listen to the flagship show, The Rundown Wrestling Podcast, and we will see your ass next time.